This episode of Beyond Aporia originated in the Howenstein Center's webcast, Lunch and Learn with Gleaves, available at www.gvsu.edu slash hc. Welcome to the Howenstein Center's new online program, Lunch and Learn. I'm your host, Gleaves Whitney. During our quarantine, we may not be able to journey beyond our homes, but that should not stop us from journeying beyond our minds. Today's journey takes us into the challenges the coronavirus pandemic presents to different populations. Our guide is Dami Olofasu, and Dami is originally from Nigeria. She comes to GBSU from Toronto, making her an international student who tomorrow will earn her Master of Public Health. Also tomorrow, she will graduate from the Peter C. Cook Leadership Academy. Congratulations, Dami, by the way. Dami joins us from her home in Canada to share her perspective of public health in this global pandemic. Thank you, Gleaves and CLA for having me. You bet. Well, my conversation with Dami is gonna go about 20 to 30 minutes and it's gonna be followed by questions from our viewers. And our goal is not to go longer than 45 minutes and also feel free to begin sending in your questions to us right away using the Zoom toolbar to do so. It's so good to see you, Dami. So good to see everyone too. Well, first, what has your education at Grand Valley and your experience to date trained you actually to do? That's a really good question. Um, I must say I have my bachelor's of science in biomedical science and then my master's in public health. So just, Till today, I have the public health perspective, but also the biomedical perspective. Um, in regards to the biomedical perspective, the first thing I wanted to do in regards to COVID was learn about the virus and learn about its transmissions and just really understand so that I'm not passing on um, misinformation. But then from the public health perspective, I have preventive measures, like what measures could we take in preventing the spread or preventing um, the virus? or how can we educate people? That's a big thing in public health that we have learned about um, through my program of how do you educate people in an effective manner? Like, how are you educating for people to really understand and not be misinformed or disinformed? So up to date, I would just say um, my education is just being learning about the virus, how it's spreading, and you know having preventive and educational measures to um, help with reducing the spread and reducing the curve, yeah. I can hardly think of a more important major these days than being able to, to talk to people about that. Well, when did you first become, I don't know, personally and professionally interested in public health? Um, professionally, I always knew that I wanted to end up in the healthcare field. That was no question. Ever since I was 10, healthcare field was it for me. But professionally, in regards to public health, I started to do a lot more shadowing um, in, within the healthcare field. And I realized that some things the doctors were saying to patients, patients weren't understanding, but other factors going into their health that we weren't necessarily grasping. So for me, I started to ask questions. I'm very inquisitive. I ask a lot of questions. Um, I started to ask questions of, you know, like why aren't patients adhering to instructions or what is happening? Like, what are we missing? And um, I had a mentor um, at one of the hospitals and she had just suggested going into public health and emphasizing on health promotion just to better understand other factors that the medical field might be missed and other factors that affect people's health and not just the symptoms, looking beyond the symptoms 
And that is what public health is. You, you look beyond the symptoms to see lifestyle, um, social determinants of health that might be affecting them to not adhere to um, physicians' instructions, but what is affecting their health. And in order to target those factors to help them see positive symptoms in their physical health. But that's what grabbed me. And I was like, I have to go get my MPH, which is what led me to Grand Valley. And then I emphasized in health promotion, health education. And tell us about your work here at Grand Valley since you mentioned it. And, and also, I understand you've been working at Michigan State. Tell us about those two. So um, ever since I've been at Grand Valley, I have tried to just get on ground in regards to doing extracurricular activities that exposes me more to various population. I am passionate about learning more about various cultures and populations. That is my that is my go-to. So a lot of things I've done at GV so far is whether getting um, volunteering with the culinary medicine, which is through Spectrum Health. I'm not sure if anyone knows about it, but culinary medicine is where right now physicians are trying to prescribe to patients um, that might be um, at a higher rate of getting um, high blood pressure, obesity, things that are people that are exposed to that. So they're prescribed this class to learn how to cook, how to cater to their um, diets and things like that. So I volunteer with that at Spectrum, you know, volunteering with Kids Food Basket for um, children, poverty and um, hunger and homelessness, volunteering with Wellhouse for um, the homeless population in Grand Rapids. So I've been doing a lot of things like that that helps me, push me out of the class to actually put what I'm learning in the class into the community. And in regards to Michigan State University, I was working for about a year with the College of Medicine. And another big passion spot of mine is maternal and infant health. Um, I'm super passionate about that. So I did my practicum, which is like an internship at the College of Medicine from the fall of 2018. And just in the Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology and Reproductive Biology, learning more about maternal and infant um, health. Because right now, even in Kent County, um, women of color are two times more likely to experience adverse birth outcomes than the white counterpart. Um, so I'm just super passionate about that. I also did my research project with them, again, um, helping to evaluate like the program that is helping to mitigate or close the gap in adverse birth outcomes disparities. So anything in regards to vulnerable population is my go-to spot. I love to learn. And overall, just I have the passion of how can we leverage this gap that that is um, that we're seeing and observing. Yeah. You know, you mentioned in your answer about getting out of the classroom, so I can't help but ask you. You know, you're you're originally from Nigeria. You've lived in Canada. You've lived in the United States. Is there a particular area of the world that you would really like to go to to do your work? To do my work. Um, basically anywhere underserved. One of my biggest passion is to do Doctors Without Borders, which is where um, you are sent to rural, underserved, urban areas around the world to just help serve. So anywhere I can go to learn more and see a disparity. And again, I mentioned I was very inquisitive of like, what can we do to leverage the ground? What can we do to help you get, break the cycle, to help you get better? I'm all for it. That's like, that's what I always gravitate towards. Your passion really comes through, Dami. Why is this the work you wanted to do? That is such a great question. Um, for me, growing up in Nigeria, um, in Nigeria, the healthcare system is totally different. Um, it's based on if you have money, you get healthcare. If you don't have money, unfortunately, 
you're just left by the wayside. Um, so just at a young age, growing up, seeing that, um, you, I start to question again, going back to my inquisitiveness of like, why can't they afford healthcare? Like, why aren't they in the hospital? Why just just by the side of the road? And, you know, having the privilege in Nigeria to be able to afford care, to be able to afford private clinics, it changes my perspective that when I moved to Canada and I saw the complete difference, and I know I might, we might ask about this later of like Canada having a universal healthcare. My thought process immediately as a teenager is like, why can't Nigeria have that? <laughs> you know, like why can't everyone in Nigeria have access to um, care regardless of their income or regardless of your social status in the community, which is where my love for um, the healthcare field was birthed out of just seeing disparities at a, such a young age and just, and, and I remember asking my mom, like, why can't we do this? And like, why isn't the world like this? But like, and I found that like the answers that I, the answers to the questions I ask are usually in, in within the healthcare field. So that is what just drew my attention to there. And ever since I've just stuck to it. <laughs> so I'm curious now how the coronavirus pandemic has changed the way you view your work, what you do. Uh, has your perspective on public health changed because of this pandemic? Um, I think the biggest thing that has changed in my in regards to COVID um, and how it's released to public health is just we need public health professionals. I know that this is something that I've talked about, we've talked about in class um, of just how public health funding is one of the first things to always get caught or always get short is public health. But I just feel like through COVID, everyone can see just how much public health professionals are out on the front lines and advocating, educating, helping with prevention. Like now more than ever is when we need public health professionals. We are important members of the health field. And I just feel like right now I have a deeper appreciation for my field than ever before. And I hope that transcends to people, um, to community members or um, citizens to just really see the value in public health workers. Another thing is that I have learned is just the power under that goes with education, um, which what a lot of public health professionals are doing um, in just educating the community members, making sure that um, there's an accessibility of food, accessibility of um, just basic needs to people that might not, that might otherwise rely on um, systems in place that are now canceled. So a lot of public health friends of mine um, that works in the health department are right now still working you know, like I have a friend that um, she helps with putting out like food, not a food bank necessarily, but helps in making sure families have hot food, helps in making sure they have produce. So like their health are not diminishing even in a pandemic, which is super important um, in this pandemic that I think no one ever talks about is like making sure people's health are not deteriorating because they don't have access to a lot of stuff, which is where public health workers are also at the forefront. So yes. Lots of, lots of changing in, and reflection in that question. What's the hardest thing about doing your work? What makes it difficult? What makes, oh wow, that's so good. That's such a good question. Um, I think the biggest thing that makes it difficult is um, just right now, we just have a lot of access to needles, a lot of access to different outlets. And if there was a way to make information streamlined I think would be best but the difficult part of it is like everyone is entitled to their opinions and the information they take in but as public health professionals you might have an information that is integral to pass out 
but because of preconceived or preformed opinions, changing that is hard, right? So looking for strategies to incorporate and understanding that one key doesn't fit the same keyhole in um, getting access to out to everyone is, is quite difficult and changing people's minds about what they might think they know, for sure. Well, and speaking of what people know, what is the most important thing you've learned to this point? In regards to COVID? To COVID, to public health, what the stands most, out to you? Um, I think the most important, things I've, important thing I've learned in regards to public health is to always be willing to adapt. <laughs> um, the word is always changing. Even in regards to COVID, no two days are the same. We're always getting new information every single day. And public health professionals, healthcare professionals, everyone on the front line has to be willing to adapt in order to get access out there in order to help um, prevent people from getting the virus or prevent people from getting whatsoever the poison, is at, the poison is at the time. It was just, you have to be willing to adapt to whatever is going on. So that's the biggest thing to keep an open mind and keep adapting. Well, here in Michigan, we share an international border with Canada and you mentioned Canada earlier in the healthcare. So what is the main difference, say, between the United States healthcare system and Canada's? Yeah, that's like that's like the hot topic right now, right? Um, well, in Canada, we have a universal healthcare. So what that means is through Canadians' taxes, um, everyone, regardless of age, sex, race, socioeconomic status, has access to basic healthcare needs. So you can go into any hospital, any doctor you choose, and get access to care without a copay. I've never had a copay or deductions. I only learned about those when I moved to the U.S., which I think in the U.S. you have to have a private insurance. You have to buy it or get it through your work. Um, you can't just go into an hospital and not pay or have a deductible or copays or things like that. So that's the biggest thing of just like private in a single payer insurance versus universal healthcare. I, I do have to say though, Canada does have private insurance because um, the Canadian healthcare system doesn't cover like vision, dental, prescription drugs, all of those are on you. So you could get a small amount of um, private insurance every month to help cover those fees or through your work. But it's not as, it's not solely, your health is not solely based on the type of insurance you have. So I know some people just get in America, just talking about it, they get the basic health care, they get them the basic needs. But um, in Canada, you don't have to have that. That's the biggest thing. Okay, well, that leads me to ask the next question. Here in Michigan, what do you think are the disparities in the way healthcare is delivered, say geographically and also to different populations? Um, good question. <laughs> I've lived in Canada, in Michigan for about six years now. Um, I think that the most important thing is just that I have noticed is just the differences, the disparities that are observant in um, various populations. Um, when we're talking about um, people um, experiencing disability, experiencing homelessness, people of color, it seems like health healthcare is being delivered in different ways. And my goal or my passion or my dream would be to see health care being delivered at a playing field. Everyone gets, not everyone gets the same health care per se, because again, there's different problems, different solutions, but everyone gets the same amount of care. The same amount of care given to a specific population is being transcended to the same amount of different populations, irregardless of 
um, disability or problems they might be experiencing, the same amount of care is given to them. And since you have this international perspective, what's the single most important thing we can do to bring about better outcomes in public health here in Michigan? Wow, <laughs> the single most important thing. That's so good. I think the single most important thing is um, in regards to public health is just to stay upon it. Um, if we are focused and we have trends and we're looking, we're able to keep, in regards to COVID too, like. Um, being prepared, you're able to stay in front of it and um, prevent more spread or prevent more people getting the virus or um, in regards to just different populations or different issues people are facing, if we're able to learn more about them. I think just being eager to learn. I think that that would just be the most important thing I can say in regards to public health because if you're eager to learn, you learn about disparities affecting various populations, you learn about factors contributing to people's health. And when you learn, you're, you're, um, you're more passionate or you're more eager to want to help out and find a solution. You just don't keep your learning to yourself. You want to pour it out and find a solution. So just having a spirit to being eager to learn, I would say, is the biggest thing that should happen in Michigan. So your big days tomorrow, you're graduating. Yes. What happens after graduation? What comes next for you? Uh, for me, after graduation, I will be going to medical school. So um, I've been accepted to various medical schools, and I am yet to make a decision. I have to make a decision soon. So I will be making a decision in which medical school I will be going to. I will be, I've narrowed it down to Michigan, so I will be staying in Michigan for another four years. Um, so what's next is medical school, and I just, I'm passionate about implementing my public health degree with my medical degree and hopefully in the future seeing changes, positive changes. Very good. And um, I'm sure people would also like to know, since they hear all of this great stuff about your preparation to this point and going to medical school, what would be the capstone experience in your career? You look ahead of what you're doing, say 15, 20, 30 years from now, what would be the best thing you could do? Wow. <laughs> um, the best thing I could do, it would just have to relate back to my passion. My biggest passion is to make sure that people are being heard and validated. Um, the best thing I could do in my career is to ensure that people and patients I see feel heard and validated. I'm big on community. I'm big on community health. So making sure that, um, in whatever community I'm in, um, I am adhering or being available to um, underprivileged, under uh, minority populations and leveraging the ground for them, breaking cycles and ensuring like they get health, um, healthcare access and just, just be accessible to community would be the best thing I could ever, I could ever do. Which might be hard, in, especially in America, um, with doctors being mandated to see so many patients within like a specific amount of time. But again, with my passion line with community health, um, I wanna make sure like through everything I go through that I dedicate and I go back to that, to that passion of mine. Well, Tommy, we have viewers queued up to ask questions. So let's bring them into the conversation okay. now. I have a couple of very interesting questions already. One viewer asks, what was your biggest challenge in attending Grand Valley State University as an international student? Wow, my biggest challenge. 
Um, I think my biggest challenge would have to be, I, I've never, okay, I, I shouldn't say that. I've never really heard of Grand Rapids or like knew that Grand Rapids existed up until I, um, up until like my senior year in undergrad. Like people would be like, oh, I'm going to Grand Rapids. And I'm like, oh, like that must be a neighboring city, a neighboring town. I don't know what it is. But then someone had um, told me to apply at GV and I remember coming to visit Grand Rapids and I was like, wow, I know no one. So when I started going to GV, I felt like a loner for a bit because I didn't know anyone. I didn't know resources to turn to. Um, so it took it took a couple months to find my footing at Grand Valley and I was able to find that footing by getting more involved. Um, so I just got involved with VSAB, which is the Vice Provost um, Student Advisory Board, make, meeting new people that way. I got involved with the interprofessional education team here at GV, and then eventually CLA, I learned about CLA and just things like that for sure. But the biggest thing would just be finding my footing and gaining confidence I can, I, I can do this. <laughs> well, since you mentioned the CLA, our Peter C. Cook Leadership Academy, Dami, I have to ask you the question, what was our biggest okay. impact on you in the academy? Ah, uh, that's so good. So many impacts, but the biggest one would just have to be network of people. Um, I Like I said, I value community. I value support a lot. I think that's something we take for granted, the amount of support you receive. And I have just, um, I am so appreciative of all of the support and love that I receive from CLA and like the community partners, um, the supporters, funders, everyone, like going to all the meetings, going to Common Ground, Wheelhouse, and just talking to people. I absolutely love learning about everyone. And just, I also love the love I received um, with Grace checking in and making sure everyone is doing good. So that would have to be the biggest thing. It's just the network of people and the abundance of love pouring in. That's so rewarding to hear. And I can tell our viewers, your attendance was just amazing. You took advantage of all the optional events that you could go to, for example, going to the econ club meetings and yes. hearing speakers. I mean, you really poured your heart into the CLA and getting the most out of it. So you were a model in that way. And I think what you're saying implicitly is for anybody coming into Grand Valley, especially if they come from an international place or they come from the other side of the state, or they come from a neighborhood near campus, throw yourself into the activities the way Dami did it. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, for sure. That's the only way you can diversify yourself and find support because if you keep throwing yourself in activities you find people that are like like-minded like you so you that's friends for life right there easy access <laughs> that's right a viewer writes now about getting back onto the healthcare. from your research and your work to date what are ways that we can leverage the gap in adverse birth outcomes between women of color and white women um, that is so good. Um, so this will be a plug to my research project. <laughs> um, so one thing my research project touched on was, I'm not sure if anyone knows about this, but it's the Healthy Start program, which is um, created and partially funded by the United the government, um, specifically under the Maternal and Children Health Bureau. Um, so this program targets high-risk women and especially women of color that are more um, susceptible to experiencing adverse birth outcomes. So right now there's currently 101 in the nation um, dispersed all around to just help target high-risk women. But I think that like the more we can have funding for these programs, the more programs can be out there to make sure we're even reaching like rural, um, rural mothers because 
that like I, I was in class, we were talking about a population, I believe it was in North Dakota and how rural it is and how they have very low um, accessibility to healthcare. So again, having Healthy Start programs diverse and dispersed all around the nations help bridges that gap and ensuring that um, women of color are not a, at a higher risk of experiencing um, adverse birth outcomes. And then for anyone that doesn't know what adverse birth outcomes are, there are things like um, infant mortality, low birth weight, preterm birth, um, complications, things like that. So just dispersing resources out there. Dami, is there anything else you would like to share with us that we haven't covered? Um, the only thing I'd like to share is thank you to all the viewers for tuning in. Um, I appreciate all of the love and support. I appreciate everyone taking out time to just listen to me speak about my passions and speak about things I've done. Um, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Well, thank you, Dami Olufasofe, for sharing your story and inspiring our viewers. Uh, the people who've tuned in can now see why you're such an esteemed graduate of our Howenstein Center's Peter C. Cook Leadership Academy and Grand Valley. Thanks also to viewers whom I invite to zoom in or join us on Facebook at the same time, Tuesday, April 28th, when my guest will be Hank Meyer. You know Hank as the head of the Meyer stores we all shop in, but Hank also has a passionate avocation as a historian, and he will give us a peek into a famous Michigander he wants to write about. And no, it's not Arthur Vandenberg. Till Tuesday at 1 p.m., stay tuned and stay well. Beyond Aporia is a podcast brought to you by the Howenstein Center for Presidential Studies at Grand Valley State University. The director of the Howenstein Center and producer of this podcast is Gleaves Whitney. The theme music was composed by Andrew Whitney. The Howenstein Center is inspired by Ralph W. Howenstein's legacy of leadership and service. Our programs address many of the pressing issues that Americans face. To learn more about the Howenstein Center, please visit us at www.gvsu.com edu slash hc. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. This is Gleaves Whitney.